Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. Last week we spoke about Untana Tokef and in my various high holiday things that I brought to shul to read during moments when I preferred to read than to listen, um, I I came across a really good article, a uh, three-page thing about um, Untana Tokef, which really deepened our conversation from last week. And I am going to include that. I'm going to attach It's by Rabbi Goldie Guy of Yeshivat Hadar in Chicago. And I'm going to attach that to the um, podcast thing as a reading. So I really encourage everyone to take a look at that later today. Um, I thought what we do today is stick with High Holidays and look at the changes and the additions to the Amidah. We've done this before in some previous year, but I thought it would be worth going over again. Uh, we're not going to get to everything, all the High Holiday changes. I don't think we're going to get to La'ela La'ela today. I think we'll just talk about the Amidah changes. Okay. Um, so there are, uh, Six clear changes in the Amidah, two actual changes and four additions, not editions with an E, additions with an ADD. And I'm sure you are familiar with them if you are daily daveners. So let's start with the changes. What are the two changes in the weekday Amidah? Actually, also in the, in the, in the festival or, um, Amidah. What are the two changes? Yeah, I think there's actually more than two. Okay, well, what are the two addition, uh, sorry, two ch- word changes? Single word? You're not talking about... So we change the end of the third blessing from Baruch HaTashem HaEl HaKadosh, the Holy God, to Baruch HaTashem HaMelech HaKadosh, okay? So we change that word from HaEl HaKadosh to HaMelech HaKadosh, the Holy King. And what's the second Chatima or end of blessing that we change? Melech Ohev Tzedakah Umishpat, the king who loves uh, righteousness and justice, to HaMelech HaMishpat, which uh, is translated here as uh, sovereign of judgment, meaning king of judgment. We'll talk about that in a minute. Okay? So HaMelech HaKadosh and HaMelech HaMishpat. Does everyone see where I am? Sorry. I'm in the middle of page 39 for HaMelech HaMishpat, and that's on page 112 in the sim. Okay? So we change HaEl HaKadosh HaMelech HaKadosh, and we change Melech HaMishpat to HaMelech HaMishpat. And if I said to you, well, you know, why those changes? You would say, well, they're both changed to HaMelech, the sovereign, the king, and that's kind of the theme of Rosh Hashanah and the High Holidays, God as sovereign. In fact, these changes probably originally were on for Rosh Hashanah in particular, and then they kind of grew to the whole uh, Aseri Imei for the whole 10-day period. Okay? Everyone with me? First of all, are there any questions about where those changes are or what they are? We're going to yeah. talk about why yeah. they are in a moment. Michael? There's a, third, there's a third change. Oh, there are a lot of changes, but I'm talking about the wording of the Hatimah. But go ahead, third change. Yeah, this is also a, a different wording to the Hatimah. It's uh, after Sim Shalom. Oseha Shalom. 
So that's yeah. a little bit variable, and I will come to that in a moment. If I don't come to that, make sure I come to it. Okay? okay. Thank you. Um, so we have those two changes, um, and those two changes are actually mentioned in the Talmud. The, uh, the other things that we add, Zohrein, Lachaim, etc., are not in the Talmud. Okay? So the only two changes that are in the Talmud are Hamelech HaKadosh for, instead of HaElech HaKadosh, and Hamelech HaMishpat, and there's actually a discussion about those things in the Talmud about whether you change it or not, and it ends up being a machloket between Rabbah and Rav Yosef about the year 300-ish, early 300s, and the halacha is decided according to Rabbah um, that we do make these changes. Okay? Um, and the halacha actually talks about them to the extent that that it seems to be the dominant halachic position that if the chazan, or even if you and your individual amidah forgot to make the change of, um, tell me what's going on in Pilch. We <clears throat> we uh, have to vacate this room, uh, so we're going to go to the lounge because uh, there's something else scheduled here. Got so. it. Okay. Sorry about but, that. No, so don't mind us. Well, oh, all right, but you're uh, the people uh, who actually stayed. Um, where's the lounge? Across the across the. Okay. They're we're moving just, the computer. We should we should be charged. We shouldn't have to need. Oh, you're just moving the computer. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to assume you can mute yourselves, and I'm going to assume you're still with me. Okay, so these two changes are in the Talmud. There's a disagreement about them. The conclusion is in the Talmud. Yes, we do change them. And the halacha actually says that if the chazan makes a mistake and says ha'el hamishpat instead of ha'mel hamishpat, which means you're on autopilot and davening by heart, you actually have to go back in your amidah. Some people say you actually have to go back to the beginning of the amidah, which this means is even if you daven by heart in the weekday, you should not daven by heart um, during the 10 days of tshuva. You should really have the siddur open in front of you to make sure you don't go on autopilot. There's a disagreement in the halachic sources, by the way, about if you don't make the second change, Hamel Hamishpat, if you have to go back or not. And the conclusion seems to be you don't have to go back and repeat it. Um, and the reason for that probably is because even the regular weekday version has the word Melech in it. Okay, so you did say Melech. You didn't do it correctly, Hamel Hamishpat, but at least you said Melech, sovereign, king. And so you don't need to go back. Um there's discussion. Who doesn't make that mistake at least once a year, once a season? Right. We are right. Most of us make this mistake. I, I make it many more times than once a season. Um, <laughs> and there is discussion in the commentators about this phrase, Hamelech Hamishpat, because if you know Hebrew, it doesn't sound like good Hebrew. How would you say? It's translated here as sovereign of judgment. How would you say king of judgment in Hebrew? Anyone who knows some Hebrew? It's it's all Dean, isn't it? How would you say king of judgment with correct grammar? It's it's a grammar question. It's a grammar nerd question. Melek Hadin, isn't it? No, no, no. Stick with Mishpat. That's okay. But but Barbara, so stick with Mishpat. Then it would be Melech. (laughs) Shell. Melech Hamishpat. Gold star for Barbara. It would be Melech Hamishpat. Hamelech Hamishpat does not mean the king of judgment. It means literally the king, the judgment. 
it's actually sort of gibberish. Well, it's a word there. Potentially, it's, it's, a it's, word it's, there. It's, it's gibberish Hebrew because that's not how you say the King of Judgment. You would say Melech Hamishpat, and Hamelech Hamishpat does not mean the King of Judgment. So the commentators talk about this. Some of them say, oh, there are a couple of places in the Bible where for the construct state, which means the something of something, what they call genitive in other languages, which means the something of something, the possessive, actually has a hay in front of both words. Like, for example, in the book of Joshua, the priests are carrying um, the Ark of the Covenant, and it is called... It is not called Aron Habrit. It's called Ha'aron Habrit. Okay? So I think it's Rashi who says, look, there are some places where you could say the hey before both words, Hamel Hamishpat. Other commentators take it more literally. And if I were, if you know some Hebrew, if I were to ask you to translate, if I were to say to you, there is a sentence and that sentence is Hamelech Hamishpat. That's a complete Hebrew sentence. What does that sentence mean in English? Hamelech Hamishpat. The king is the judger. Correct, basically. because there is no a second gold star for Barbara. Okay, Barbara. That yeah. all the Hebrew lessons. It's it's paying off now. Okay, because <laughs> because, because there is no. English, uh, there is, sorry, there is no, generally no Hebrew word for is, meaning A equals B, the way we would say in English, A is B. It's assumed, um, I'm taking Arabic, it's the same thing in Arabic, right? So, Hamelech Hamishpat means the king is the judgment. So, some of the commentators say, no, this is not odd Hebrew. It does not mean we acknowledge you, the king of judgment. It means, Baruch Hashem, God's essence is judgment. It's kind of how they explain it, right? Again, so I just want to be clear. It is an odd locution. Like if you just look, I don't know, two blessings before, we have Mivarech Hashanim, the one who blesses years. So we would expect it to be Melech Hamishpat, the same construction the sovereign of judgment, right? But the Talmud is quite clear that it's Hamelech Hamishpat. The Talmud does not actually discuss why it's this odd grammatical thing. It's really the commentators that try to figure it out, okay? And again, one answer is, yeah, in a very minority way, they actually cite three or four examples in the whole Bible. None of them are from the Kumash itself. You could have a hey before both, and it would still mean the king of judgment, just like Ha'aron, Habrit, means the Ark of the um, Covenant. Um, or others say it means Hamelech Hamishpat. God is judgment itself. Okay, so uh, in keeping with the theme of the high holidays. Um, so again, both of these changes may have originally been made for Rosh Hashanah only, and they grew to occupy all of the 10 days of repentance, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and the days in between. Of course, um, we don't say Hamelech Hamishpat on Shabbat because we don't say the middle blessings, which are the requests, blessings on Shabbat. So I'm going to pause with those changes before we get to the Zohreinu L'chaim things. Any questions or comments about those changes?
Well, just and the I, comment. And if I just, sorry. And if I just said, why are those changes? Uh, you know, there, there's no clear answer why in the Talmud. It's just an intuitive thing. It's the days of judgment. And so we add in our Amida the theme of God who is identified as judge. Barbara? Just the comment that it's called in Hebrew a word pair, like it's the day of the week. Mm-hmm. You would not say Hayom uh, Shavua. You'd say Yom HaShavua yes. because the hey only goes in the second. Correct. Le- Correct. So when you have that word pair or construct, which means the something of the something, right? In English, we say the twice, right? But the not king here. of the castle. We say the both times. In Hebrew, you would say king of the castle. You'd only say the once, and the 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 ha only goes on the second word. Barbara, so but thank you for explaining that more clearly. So. Hamelach Hamishpat is highly unusual. Okay, that's why it requires some explanation. Michael O. You know, I mean, my Hebrew is is terrible, but just the idea, uh, as you say, that God is judgment, I connotates to me just some powerful feelings as we are in this season. You know, personally, as you you conjure this whole season up. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The answer is yes. We have feelings about that. Correct. And I urge you, if you haven't listened yet, to listen to the Unatana Tokev class from last week. Okay. Yeah. I um, where we, where I don't address that directly, but I address that indirectly. Oh, semi-directly, actually, not indirectly. Okay. Now let's talk about the four editions. So there are four passages that we add. Zochreinu Lachaim and Mocha in the first blessings, and then Uchtov L'chaim Tovim and B'Sefer Chaim Bracha V'Shalom in the last, in the latter blessings. So let's look at them. Um, and I'm going to ask you, there, I'm going to ask you what, we're going to look at them, and then I'm, we're going to ask what brings them all together, what unites them all, why are they a group? And um, we'll, let's also ask just kind of structurally why they, why we think they are where they are. So the first one on page 36 in the first or page uh, 106 in the sim. Okay. And Barbara, I can't say where it is in the Shabbat one. In the first bracha avot about ancestors, we add a line that's that at least seems to have nothing to do with ancestors. Zochreinu lechayim elachafetz bachayim v'chotveinu b'sefer hachayim l'ma'an chayelohim chayim. Remember us for life, O Sovereign who desires life, and inscribe us in the book of life for your sake, O living God. By implication, for your sake meaning not for our sake, because if I asked you to do it for our sake, I know I couldn't get written because I don't have enough credit in the book. Okay, so God, at least do it for your sake. That's kind of what the thought is there. Melech Ozero Fokedo Moshiach Magain. Okay. So, by the way, uh, you won't, I think, know the answer to this if you're weekday daveners. What what do all four of these editions have in common? What word? Chayim, correct, life. So all of them are uh, asking for God to inscribe us for life in one way or another. Okay, now 
why is this one here? By which I mean, why did it get stuck in this blessing? What does it have to do with this blessing? Given that it doesn't say anything about ancestors and the blessing is supposed to be about ancestors. Michael? Yeah. To me that the ancestors who are named are examples of ancestors who received that blessing. Okay. Examples of you're implying that's an implication. Okay. Good. That's an implication. Other reasons. How about language? Language. Words. Well, he's, uh, he's Korah is in, is in it. Good. Zocher. Right. So you remember the ancestors. So Zochreinu. Good. That's one linguistic link. What's the second word, which is a linguistic link? Why does God remember the merit of the ancestors? Says there that we say every day, three times a day. Their piety. No, it says it. Why does God do this? Lema'an Shemo. God remembers the piety of the ancestors because of God's loving nature, as we have in our translation. Lema'an. And we echo that at the end of this line. Lema'ancha Elohim Chaim. For your sake. So we ask God to remember us for the Book of Life. Not because I did a lot of mitzvot, because I know I didn't do enough mitzvot, but for your own sake, meaning for your own nature, God, right? So we evoke God's essence here as compassionate. So please remember us for life because of how you are. So we have in this line an echo of that last line before Melech Hoser. I just want you to hear it. I'll say it aloud. Vizocher. And then, So we have, And then, I want to make sure everyone sees that. So it's really a, mostly a linguistic link. And then Michael is adding an interpretive link. Okay. But it's mostly a linguistic link, and we'll see that the other ones are also linguistic links with the meaning link sort of implied but not explicit, but the linguistic link explicit. So does everyone see what I mean? If anyone doesn't understand what I'm saying, wave me down right now, flag me down right now. I want you to see Zocher Lama'an and Zochreinu Lama'an Cha. Okay? Now notice, by the way, it's Bahayim, Hachayim, but it's Lechayim, not Lachayim. There's some texts that have Lachayim, okay, but most of the commentators say we don't say Lachayim, you're supposed to say Lechayim, and you might say, well, why? If Chayim takes Ha, and it's Bahayim, and it's Hachayim, then when I add a Lamed, it should be Lachayim. So the answer to that seems to be because la in Aramaic means, anyone know what la means in Aramaic? Anyone want to guess what it means in Aramaic? It means low, not. And so if we're saying la chayim, we're saying perhaps not life. So you wouldn't want to say zochreinu la chayim. You wouldn't want to say when the three books are open, you wouldn't want to say to the judge, 
remember us for not life. Okay? So that's very clear. It's lichayim, even though grammatically and for balance, it probably would be la chayim if it was just purely on the Hebrew basis. Okay? So it's zochreinu lichayim. Okay. Second edition. So that's in the first blessing in Avot. Second edition is in the second blessing, Givurot, at the bottom of that page. Okay. And it's mi chamocha av harachamim, zochayitzu av lachayim barachamim. Who is like you? Rhetorical question. Who is like you? Compassionate parent who remembers, uh, sorry, his, sorry for the gender, his creatures for life compassionately, his creatures being us. Who is like you? Rhetorical question. So why is that line there? Or why is the line there worded that way? What's the link to the blessing? Rachamim is one. Uh, Birachamim Rabim. Good. Another linguistic link. Right there in your face. Lachaim, Lachaim and, uh, and Mechaye. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. The verb. How about the first two words? Oh, yeah. Chaim. What I just say, mi who is like you, the one who does wondrous things. And now I say mi So I added, we add a second thing. So gurot is all about God's amazing power or accomplishments, causing the wind to blow, supporting the healing the ill, raising the dead. And now I add in, and oh, this other wondrous thing you do, which is to be full of compassion. So again, it's a linguistic link, Michamocha. By the way, and you, and you sort of know this because when the Chazan is davening the repetition on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the, you know, the melody is similar. Michamocha Baal Giburot, and then Michamocha Avarachamim, right? And they're sort of rhyming, but they're rhyming like it's from the beginning of the line, not the end of the line. The line starts the same way. Okay. So we have Chaim, life. We have, because it's about God who resurrects the dead. We have Rachamim, and we have Michamocha. So that's the linguistic hook. Okay? Let me sure everyone sees the linguistic hook. Okay. Then, let's look for additions number, uh, sorry, uh, number three and four. So we go to the last blessings, page 43 in the slim, and page 118 in the sim. The near the end of the Modim blessing, the 18th blessing out of 19, where we are thanking God for everything. And then we're going to conclude with, and for everything, the Al-Kulam, we thank you for all the great stuff that you did for us. And then we're going to say, V'chol ha-chayim yodu Um May all the living things acknowledge you. Okay. In there we stick in Uchtov Vachaim Tovim Kol Benevri Techa. Why is this stuck in here? Any idea? What are the linguistic hooks? I just set them to you. So we start with the Al Kulam for all of these things. We have the word Kol. And then in the next line I'm going to say Vichol Hachaim Yoduchasela and all living things with acknowledge you. And now I put in a line with 
the word call all the people of your breed. Okay. And by the way, there's nothing about Ketov, as far as I know, in the Modim. Okay. So it's um, Chaim, other word, Tovim. Okay. Because this is, this blessing con- concludes Hatov Shimcha, right? Or uh, Modim concluded Hatov, Kilo Chalurachamecha, the good one, right? So this blessing, among other things, is about, about God's goodness. So I say, so since you are good, and I said that you are good to all, those would be the two key words in English, good and all, then we add a line, and so we're requesting for you inscribe for a good life all the people in the covenant. So good and all are the two hooks here, linguistic hooks, right? So God, if you're good, and I'm telling you this whole prayer about how good you are, okay, then I'm adding one more thing, which is could you please inscribe us in the good book out of the three books that we talked about last week? Everyone with me on that? And then the fourth edition, which is the Longi, Besefer Chaim Bracha Veshalom. What's the hook there? I just said it. Say it again. Shalom. Shalom, right? So in the book, uh, not only of Chaim, uh, but also of peace and also Bracha, because Barchenu Avinu Kulanu Kechad, Sim Shalom Baalam Tova Uvracha. So this is this final blessing, number 19, is a request for God to give us all, continue to give us all of the blessings. And we have echoes of the word biracha and shalom. And inscribe us, we had lechayim tovim, and we add lishalom. So in, in the one at the top of the page, we just asked, inscribe us for chayim tovim. And here we ask for chayim tovim ule shalom. By the way, you can see a building of it in the first two editions. In the first two brachot, we asked for Chaim. In the third edition, we asked for Chaim Tovim. And in the fourth edition here, we asked for Chaim Tovim Ula Shalom. Right? So first two, we asked God to inscribe us in the book of life. In the third one, we asked for God to inscribe us in the book of good life. And the fourth one, we asked God to inscribe us in the book of Good life and shalom. Everyone see that? So there's actually kind of a climaxing if you want to look at it that way. In terms of what we're asking for. Chaim, Chaim, then Chaim Tovim, then Shalom. Everyone with me? Any questions about any of that? Now, by the way, the change of the last blessing in the diaspora, we change the last blessing to Baruch Hashem Oseha Shalom. In Israel, they keep it as Ambarechet Amo Israel Ba Shalom. And I'm not going to get into why that is, okay? Because that's going to take too much time. So, is this is this uh, all of the theme? A lot of it is merciful. We ask God to be merciful in a sense. Correct, Rahman. As opposed, as opposed right. to the, through these changes, as opposed to being being God judgment, merciful. Right. So the first two are clearly merciful, uh, and the second two don't actually mention that. Yeah. Explicitly. Right. Now, by the way, none of these are Talmudic. These are all post-Talmudic. They're in the Gaonic era, which is like sort of the year 800 to 1000-ish. 
and the Gonim, or the, the rabbis who were the leaders in Babylonia at that time, um, actually argue about these. And in the Gaonic sources, they say some people have the custom to add these things. Um, and there are some of the Gaonim who actually frown on this custom. Any idea why they might frown on this custom? One reason is it's not in the Talmud. Second reason is it changes the formulae of the first three blessings and the last three blessings, which are supposed to be, in air quotes, never changed and always fixed, right? Remember, we've talked a lot in the past about it's the middle of the Amidah that changes for weekdays to Shabbat, to festivals. But the first three and the last three are always fixed. So this is like a change. So it violates the principle of they're always fixed. Third reason is because when are we supposed to ask for things in the Amidah? Middle blessings on weekdays is when we ask all our requests. And so people say, hey, we're asking for things. We're saying, God, inscribe us in the book of life, which is a request. And that's not appropriate to put in the first blessings or the last blessings. To which, so there are three reasons why some Gaonim argue against these changes. It's not Talmudic. It's a post-Talmudic innovation. We're not supposed to change the formulation of these brachot at all ever. And number three, we're not supposed to add requests. To the third, the counter argument is raised. Hey, we have lots of requests, actually. The whole last three blessings is our request. Ritze is, God, please return your presence to Jerusalem. Modim is, we thank you and Please keep doing these good things for us. And Sim Shalom is, please give peace. Right? So we do have requests in the last three blessings, um, is the counter argument. But the key is, those requests are all requests in the plural. So if I was asking for help with a, getting a new job, uh, or asked for someone to heal the sick, right? I would add it in my own individual requests in singular language in the middle blessings. But the latter blessings, which do ask for things, are all communal. And all of these additions are communal, right? So some sages say, well, it's okay to add these additions because they're not asking God to inscribe me in the book of life. They're asking God to inscribe us in the book of life. And additions, sorry, requests that are expressed in the plural are permissible. Just like, sim shalom aleinu val kol yisrael amecha. I'm not saying, sim, I'm saying, God, my life is so un, unharmonious. I'm asking you for peace in my life. That's not what sim shalom is. Sim shalom is, please grant peace and the list of other things we're asking for. Aleinu val kol yisrael. Okay? So I'm allowed, we're allowed to, have additions that ask for things for all of us in the plural. That's permissible. So there's a counter argument about um, objection number three. Um, it's interesting when the Gaonim say some people add, usually what they mean is the custom has become, but we rabbis did not authoritatively ordain this custom and we're not entirely happy with it but we're stuck with it. Meaning it's one of these things that's kind of like the will of the people. So we we don't actually have a 
original source for these, meaning that, you know, in the Talmud, it says, Rabbi X says, you change Ha'ela Kadosh to Hamelach Kadosh. We don't actually have any source for these. In the Gaonic source, I mean, in some of the Gaonic Sidurim, it says, and people add. And then there's an argument. Some of the Gaonim say, and we know that there are people who add, but they shouldn't add. Okay. And into the early medieval era, it says, and people add, and there's a machloket about it. By modern, by, by the, I don't know, halachic middle ages, uh, not halachic middle ages, you know, post Maimonides, Shulchan Aruch, year 1500, 1600, there's no longer any disagreement about it. It's become, uh, permanent. So there are no, as far as I know, there are no living Jewish communities today that do not have these additions for the 10 days of Tshuva. Okay, so yeah. it's again one of these things and a good example. By the way, the, the changes to the Amida, we have two really good examples. First one, the change, the blessing changes are, it says it in the Talmud, it's an argument, and that becomes the law. And the, the second group, which is the four additions, is totally the other one, which is someone added this, some authorities don't like it, but it becomes too popular and they can't get rid of it, and then they end up accepting it. The Gonim end up accepting that people do this. I guess I'm going to put it that way, right? Uh, at a certain point, it's grudging acceptance, and then eventually it becomes universal. Michael, oh, you have a comment? Yeah, I, I'm looking at the art scroll, Avi, and it says, if you forget to say any of these, great. It says, do not repeat. Correct. Thank you, Michael, for adding that. So why do you not go back? Because it's not ordained in the Talmud. So it is not, the four editions are not considered to be of the same firmness, power, strength of halachic validity, right? The Talmud says you're supposed to change Ha'ela Kadosh Kadosh. And that's the conclusion. So if you didn't change it, you're supposed to go back. You did it wrong. You're supposed to do it, do, go back and do it correctly. These other editions are Minhag, custom, okay, practice. This is a very thing that's hard for people outside of the, of the Jewish system to sort of grasp the distinction. It's really the difference between Talmudic law and custom. So it's custom, post-Talmudic. It becomes eventually universal custom. There's no one who doesn't add it. There's no shul that doesn't add these. There are, by the way, little changes in wording from, you know, Sephardi and Mizrahi, right? So some of them don't have Av HaRachamim, parent of compassion. They have Av HaRachaman, the merciful parent, right? So there are little variations in wording, but it's become universal custom to do it, Um, but because it's only custom and not Halacha from the Talmud, if you forgot it, you don't have to go back over your Amidah again. That's the halachic distinction. So thank you for pointing that out, Michael. Um, by the way, slightly analogous to this, slightly analogous, not exactly, is that originally, if you look in the Mishnah, the Ma'ariv Amida, the Ma'ariv service, the Ma'ariv Amida, was reshut. It was optional. It was not chova, mandatory. The two mandatory services were Shachrit and Mincha, which replaced the two mandatory communal sacrifices, which was the morning sacrifice and the afternoon sacrifice. Mari Vamida was optional. It was a custom. 
it came to be accepted as universal custom. So universal custom means you can't change it. But what is the marker of the fact that its origin is it's only a custom? What's different about the Mari Vamita from Shachrit and Mincha during the week, Michael? What? Say it again? There's no repetition with an Amida, right? Because it is originally not a statutory prayer. It's originally custom. It becomes universal custom. So if you ask any rabbi, am I supposed to daven Mariv or not? The answer is, of course, you're required to daven Mariv, right? When Israel, all of Israel accepts a custom on itself, it becomes mandatory, but because it's still originally not actually at its core mandatory, the marker of that was there was never a repetition of the Amidah. Remember, what's the purpose of the repetition? The purpose of the repetition is if you didn't know how to say it properly, you listen or you didn't have a Sidur, like most of human history until printing recently, right? You didn't know it by heart. You listened to the Chazan say it aloud. You said Amen for each blessing, and that fulfilled your requirement. So you don't need to do that for the Mariv Amida because it's 98, between 95 and 98% required, but it's not historically 100% required because the Mishnah says it's optional. And that's why there is no repetition in the Mariv Amida. So it's a different kind of marker than what the art scroll says that Michael O pointed out about if you leave these out, um, you don't have the four additions, you don't have to go back, but it's a marker for the same general purpose, which is originally this was not required. It's just minhag. It becomes universal minhag. It is then de facto required, but there is still a technical marker that it was not originally required. Michael H., and then we'll wrap up. Last night, I had a Rabbi showed us a cartoon that he had received on his phone. Yes. It was a right. prison scene. In the prison what? scene, a big burly prisoner is talking to a, a little, little guy next to him, and the burly guy says, I'm in here for, for murder. What are you Why in are you for? He says, I, I forgot to change it. I forgot to say Hamelch Hamishpat, and then in the next panel, the big burly guy moves all the way to the other end from (laughs) next to him because his his crime again uh, our our Jewish exaggeration. His crime is so heinous, right, that he forgot to say Hamelch Hamishpat. Okay, we'll end on that amusing. I'm glad. I'm glad God is merciful. We're very glad that God is merciful. (laughs) Exactly. Um, May everyone be inscribed in book of good things may you have meaningful davening and please look later today i'm going to and try to it close something that we um if you haven't listened please listen to last week's session about if you haven't listened please listen to last week's session about untana tokev before yom kippur because it might change your untana tokev and then take a look at the reading that i'm going to enclose with the podcasts uh which should show up if, with today's podcast which should show up later today. Have a good day. Be Torah and Gemar Chatima Tava. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. 
For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.